Hey friends, good morning for those of you in the West. Good afternoon for those of you in the East. It is Gary Morris from the DLC Group of Companies welcoming you to this month's session of Level Up. Today is uh, an extraordinary day for me. It's it's so nice to host a, a dear friend of mine uh, on the uh, on the show today. Um, Brad uh, Pedersen uh, is someone I met uh, several years ago. Um, we actually are both in a uh, U.S. CEO group. There's there's eleven of us that are just really really great friends that have come together that you know all run uh, reasonably large businesses. We share best practice and are constantly working on uh, leadership together and you know the skills that it takes to continue to scale and build our operations. Along the way, we built these incredible friendships. So having Brad on today, someone who I know really well, is is an absolute uh, pleasure. Uh, there's only two Canadians in this U.S. CEO group, and I am one, and Brad is the other. So, um, a little background on Brad. Brad is a serial entrepreneur who has been self-employed since his teens. He has built one of Canada's largest toy companies, and he bootstrapped it right out of the basement of his uh, condo. He was consecutively named by Profit Magazine as one of Canada's fastest-growing companies and was nominated by Ernst & Young uh, for Young Entrepreneur of the Year. In 2017, Brad sold his toy company with an impressive exit and soon after started his new venture, Pila. I hope most of you were turned in when you saw the video just a minute ago. It is absolutely uh, so impressive on the focus on sustainability. Uh, the company is headquartered in Kelowna, British Columbia, has offices in Hong Kong and in China. Brad is currently uh, married to his high school sweetheart, Kelly, who I know well. Together, they have two children, uh, Breton and Megan, who both attend, both attend uh, McMaster's University. Brad has a brand new book coming out. It's going to come out in the first uh, four or five months of 2022. It is called Santa Startup. So I'm super excited. I saw the uh, some of the mock-ups and drafts on it. Uh, I can't wait to read it. Uh, anyone on the show today that sends in a comment or a question uh, or um, you know, gets engaged in it, um, we're going to make sure Tara chases you down like we always do. We're going to send every single one of you a uh, book, one of Brad's books, uh, the minute it is hot off the press. So with that, I would like to uh, jump right in and welcome a dear friend of mine, Brad Pedersen. Brad, good morning. Good morning, Gary. <clears throat> Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, it's so great to have you, Brad. Uh, you know, I just, I'm always mesmerized every time we get a chance to sit down and speak and, you know, just the the story of resiliency and comeback and, you know, how you, you know, continue to be able to build these, you know, great organizations and, and scale them and, and do it, you know, uh, with your priorities and principles and family intact. It's it's really remarkable. Before we look back on that journey, um, let's, let's quickly talk about your existing company, Pila. I think it's an extraordinary uh, organization. I think what you're doing is, is incredible. Maybe if you could, you would just briefly give uh, our audience an overview of the company, some of its products. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. Um, you have to bear with my voice a little bit. I've, I've got a bit of a rasp here today. So my wife says I had my sexy voice on, but it works. So Pele is uh, a really unique opportunity. It was actually founded in 2007 by uh, gentleman out of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, very similar to what we'll talk about in my story of uh, chasing the dream of building a toy enterprise. But, you know, he bootstrapped it from his basement. He had this idea, which you saw in the video about how could he uh, help create uh, a better future. And he became fascinated materials. Uh, from that, he built prototypes and eventually made a phone case. Um, and that was kind of dumb luck. Um, turns out the phone case industry is a $20 billion a year industry. So he picked a pretty good one, uh, pretty high profile also. Um, and he was really good at making it, but he didn't know how to market it nor how to scale it. So when I exited um, 
the toy company in 2017, which I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but uh, it became an opportunity for me to really um, make recompense for the billions of pieces of plastic that I had shipped around the planet. I used to be, um, uh, I, I called myself the real Santa Claus, hence the book Santa Startup. So, you know, I just don't have a big, as big a beard or belly, thank goodness. <laughs> um, but, you know, my job was to put smiles in kids' faces. Um, but I always had some sort of, I guess, conflict with the way that we did things, knowing that most toys end up in landfill in 90 days or less. So this was a real great opportunity that really was kind of dear to my personal beliefs and my worldviews around sustainability. And when we got together, we um, <clears throat> really sat down and said, you know, let's dream in Technicolor about what are the possibilities here. And we came away from that initial sort of landmark meeting and we didn't talk about, you know, the most eco-friendly phone case. We came up with a vision statement. We're creating a waste-free future. And that's been true to our hearts from the get-go. And um, I, I think that as we talk, you'll, you'll see in here that the phone case was a means to an end. It's still a very important part of our business. But that's the first, we, we designed waste of the human experience. That phone case literally is waste-free. It composts, it turns to dirt in as little as, uh, well, in our new machine in a matter of hours, but in a normal landfill or a composting facility in a few months. And, and it really was the idea that we wanted to do what our ancestors did. If you think about it, our ancestors, um, you know, they made tools out of wood, bone, feathers, rocks, um, things that ultimately end their life return to the planet gracefully. And so we feel that, you know, waste is something that we've created in the last hundred years or so. Um, in terms of it not being valuable, it goes to a landfill now, it's waste managed. We want to be waste innovators. And uh, so we're, we're building a waste innovation company. Well, maybe just quickly talk about uh, your newest product, um, which I think is fascinating. And I know uh, just in order to sort of uh, launch it and test it, you, um, you actually did a Kickstarter campaign. And as I always refer to it, you broke Kickstarter. You, you, it was a record for, you know, uh, ever on Kickstarter for um, environmentally friendly sort of waste management. Why don't you fill us in on that and tell us what that product is? Because I think you're going to see this product in every single household in North America uh, reasonably quickly. Well, from your lips to God's ears, let's hope that's the case. Um, <laughs> but this is, as you see on the screen, this is Lomi. And um, so this really came about three years ago when we were trying to solve one of our own problems. And I think for most entrepreneurs, that's really what it comes down to. You see a problem, whether it's your own personal one or one in the marketplace you're trying to solve. And the problem we we're running into is we we're making these products that were made out of biocomposites, but there was nowhere to take them. Um, if you lived on an acreage and you had a home composter, that is where you'd normally put it. But otherwise, you know, you've got a, a, a green bin, a blue bin, and a gray bin. You know, if you're lucky, you get three. Most people only have two. So where do I put it when I'm done with it? And so you think about it and go, well, it should go in the green bin. Well, yes, there are certain municipalities around uh, North America that would take uh, those products in, but it's actually very disparate and it's not, not really well organized. There's some that will, some that won't. Um, well, you think, well, go in the blue bin, recycled, right? Well, no, it doesn't get recycled. And in fact, we can talk about recycling, but it's the, the biggest greenwashing um, lie of, of, I would say, the recent uh, century, knowing that, you know, less than 10% ever gets back into recycling, which means nothing gets recycled twice. Uh, most of it ends up in landfill. Um, and you think after 30 years of trying, we would be much better at it. So finally, it's the gray bin. That's the garbage bin. And that's really not the ideal environment. So we, we came up with the idea, let's create a machine that actually does the process. And it started off with an idea. It, actually, initially, we were going to build these large industrial composting facilities. We're going to bring the stuff in, put it in there, and let it break down. 
Um, and, and we went from there. We actually were inspired by Elon, you know, how he's democratized the electrification. Like your home has its charger. You have a solar panels on your roof that can feed the charger and charge your car. We're like, why can't we democratize this? And um, so that's exactly the approach we took. And we came up with a machine that basically would look after our bioplastics. And along the way, we stumbled on another very big problem, which is food waste. Now, I don't know about you, Gary, but I was naive uh, about food waste. I thought, you know, food waste going to landfill, that's fine, right? You just throw it in a garbage can, it goes to landfill, it turns to dirt eventually, right? Actually, that's not the case. Um, when food waste goes to landfill and is covered up, it becomes, it decomposes in an anaerobic environment. And in that environment, it produces methane gas. And methane gas is like lighter fluid to um, the greenhouse gas emissions that uh, everyone is concerned about. So um, in any event, our machine is designed to handle food waste and bioplastics. And literally, we say that, you know, Lomi magically turns your food waste and bio or your organic materials to dirt while you sleep. Literally, at the end of your day, after you're done eating your meals, and by the way, I hate food waste. I don't know about you. Uh, if you have those green bin programs, they're gross. They, they smell. It's messy. Um, so we just eliminate that. And you press the button, and the next day, it's soil. You can actually use it in your garden. Um, you could put it into the green bin, send it to landfill. Um, but it, we've, we've given value to uh, the, the waste stream, which we're pretty excited about. Yeah, it's absolutely extraordinary. I mean, I can't wait to uh, see more of it. I know you guys are super excited about it now and you're, you're building as we uh, as we speak. So, um, so Brad, just because I want to go back to sort of the last 18 months in COVID, I want to just only speak on it for a minute. But, you know, in many ways, COVID changed the world. It changed how we communicate. Uh, it changed our proximity. It sent us all home to, to work. We become more efficient. Uh, how has that changed your organization? And, and what are some of the lessons maybe that you think are going to transfer, um, you know, long term? Wow, how has COVID changed the world? Um, I don't know if you remember the Chinese uh, parable, we'll see. I'll paraphrase it, but it's something about like a, a Chinese farmer has a horse and the horse runs away and his, his neighbors say, oh, what terrible luck you have. And he says, we'll see. And the next day the horse shows back up again with two horses and the neighbors say, oh, incredibly lucky you now have two horses. And he says, we'll see. And then one of those wild horses came home. His son tries to ride it, tame it gets bucked off, breaks his leg. His neighbors say, what terrible luck you have. And he says, we'll see. And the next day after that, the military come to the village to conscript the local boys. And because his son has a broken leg, he doesn't get conscripted to go to war. And they say, what incredible luck you have. And he says, we'll see. And so I think of that story in the context of COVID. And um, you know, it reminds me of that event plus response equals outcome. And, um, you know, this has forever changed our world. I'm not trivializing it. It, it personally affected me. I, I lost a loved one through this. Um, and it certainly has had a lot of gravity. But in terms of how we've viewed it and what we've done with it, I would say this has been one of the most incredible times for me personally, for our business to grow, because we've looked at this as an opportunity more than an obstacle. We've used the abundance abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset of like anxiety, stress of the unknowns versus the possibilities of what is this great change, this great uh, reckoning doing that allows us to create new, better ways that we, we uh, operate our business. 
Yeah, absolutely incredible. Uh, wow, what a great job paraphrasing, you know, paraphrasing that uh, parable. Incredible. Um, so I just want to remind everyone that if you have any questions, guys, feel free to uh, send them in uh, close comments. We're going to send you guys all one of uh, Brad's new books. Um, so Brad, you were an early entrepreneur. I mean, you started your first venture in high, in high school, and that's really inspiring. And I think inspiring to a lot of our our viewers because they have kids that I think in, in many cases, you know, would love to be an entrepreneur and you sort of, you know, have been one since a very young age, but it wasn't easy because of course you came from, you know, a family of healthcare professionals and they wanted you to, you know, go through and become a chiropractor. Um, maybe just talk to us, uh, uh, share a story about that journey and, and how did you finally break away um, and able to follow your dreams? Yeah, no, I look, I came from an incredible family. I was raised in central Alberta and, um, you know, a wholesome upbringing. I was the luckiest guy in the world. Um, truly when I reflect on the way I was raised, where I was raised. Um, but yeah, my family, my dad was a chiropractor. His father and mother were chiropractors. My great grandfather was the first chiropractor in Denmark. So ever since I was a toddler, I was told you're going to be a chiropractor like your daddy someday. And I kind of just believed it. And, um, you know, I, I was in school to be a chiropractor. I actually did my pre-chiropractic. And, um, you know, it was just part of the process of what I was going to do. And uh, one of the luckiest things, or I would say the luckiest thing that's ever happened to me, uh, happened during that time. I met my wife. Obviously, she's not my, wasn't my wife then, but she would become my wife. And in that process, um, she and I were going kind of in divergent paths with education. And I decided... Um, versus going to the school I was going to go to, I was going to wait for her for a year and then we'd go together. And, you know, I had always been very entrepreneurial as a, as a kid. I had different businesses. I, I would, um, uh, I had actually a wood cutting business to this day. I say it was one of the greatest businesses ever because I had really the overhead costs. You know, I used my dad's truck, his saws, his splitting malls, uh, the gas, <laughs> and then you know, the abundance of trees. Uh, living where we lived in the forest and um, I just go in the paper and see what a uh, cord of wood would be selling for. I would quote it $5 cheaper and I would recruit my friends from school. We would go and wood these uh, cords of wood and sell it. And uh, it was, it was a fantastic way to get um, the, the entrepreneurial um, sort of spirit going at an early age. And so that one year off uh, while I was waiting, I, I just naturally fell to my tendencies of wanting to be curious, which I think is the first step in all entrepreneurial endeavors, like be curious about what's going around you. And then having the courage to try, to step out and try something. And I started a business then and never look back. Yeah, I mean, and what a journey it's been. Um, so, you know, the one thing you and I share, Brad, is, is the love of learning, right? And and it's something that, you know, we continue to invest a lot of time and energy. And, you know, it's not easy and it's very humbling sometimes, right? We make mistakes along the way. Um, and it's amazing if your mind's open, just how much you can constantly take in and, and how instrumental it can be in your life and your business. You know, you've had a lot of mentors. Um, you, you've always believed in personal development. Maybe speak to our, our viewers in your eyes on how important personal development um, and mentorship is? Well, I'm a big believer that you're either green and growing or ripe and rotting. You don't still sit still in life. I'm always fascinated by people who say, oh, I'm done university, I'm done my education, now I can just go on living my life. And, um, you know, you don't tread water. You're moving forward or backwards. So it's a, it's a daily process. It's, it's no different than um, going to the gym. Uh, it's, it's something that you have to set in motion every single day to keep your fitness up. So why would your spiritual, mental, emotional be any different? 
they're not they're the same so i think it just comes down to your worldviews up front you have to believe that if you i think most people wish it was easier like when they look at life they say gee i wish i just i wish it was easier what i'm doing and the real question is are you getting better don't wish it was easier wish you were better and i um i'm con I guess I was continually um, influenced at an early age through watching my father, who was my initial mentor, and uh, to this day was my mentor, and just the way that he was relentless um, with his pursuits in life, and in a positive way. I don't mean relentless in, in a, a sick kind of, uh, you know, unhealthy way, but he just really was driven to be successful. He was um, inspired to be excellent at whatever he did. Um, he believed in in you know, compassion and caring for others. And he just did it with all his might. And so I watched that example and, um, you know, I adopted it, a lot of it, just, you know, through instinct of watching him. Uh, Carl Jung said that the most damaging thing for your kids is the unlived life of, your, of their parents. And I think that's really true. Um, so as I've gone down this path of being a lifelong learner and pursuing excellence, which is how Gary met, because he's the same way. Um, I've I've often wanted to push it to my kids, <laughs> say, hey, this is, this is the stuff you need to read. Oh, you should listen to this podcast. You should go to this thing. And what I found is that when you push, you repel. What you want to do is you want to pull and attract them in. And, um, you know, my personal conviction, uh, I, I'm a follower of Jesus, and he, he called us to be light in the world, light and soul. And I think there's two different types of light. There is a spotlight, which you can shine on people, and it repels them. And then there's a campfire, which draws them in. So I think about that often, and I think I want to live my life in such a way that I'm a campfire that draws them in, and particularly with my kids, live by example and stop pushing and be relatable, be human. Don't try and be superhuman, you know. Um, and it's been funny to watch that, you know, years of my kids sitting in in the vehicle listening to audio programs watching me read books and them kind of going eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. now my kids in their 20s and they're doing the same thing they're we're, we're sharing podcasts we're exchanging books and i didn't have to push it on them they came to me and they asked because they came to a point in their lives where they were like i need the tools to give myself the advantage to be able to live a life of more abundance and they're they want they're curious about what those are yeah, absolutely incredible. Um, you know, it's funny because I want to talk about resiliency and falling on hard times and negativity and, and fighting, you know, some of that evil off. Uh, Brad, you and I have had this conversation uh, on a personal nature. I mean, there's a small group right now that has been orchestrating a smear campaign against, you know, Dominion Lending Centers, against Gary Morris personally. And, you know, and, and you and our group have talked about this and just said it's it's so you know, it's it's extraordinary to get to a position where 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 just by being uh, successful or, or building the number one brand in the country that, you know, people resort to negativity, rumor, innuendo, and the lengths that they'll go. Um, and I know that you said mastery lives on mountaintop. Mastery lives in the mountaintop of mistakes. Maybe some advice to anyone on here who is, um, you know, in that, in their marketplace, you know, they have haters out there, um, you know, they're, they're suffering, you know, with, with failures and, in you know, whatever that may be. And any lessons you can share with us on, on how to just keep a level mind and move forward and continue to be successful and not get caught up in some of that noise? Yeah, um, it's a tough one. Um, you know, I remember, <clears throat> I remember John Maxwell, I heard him speak some time ago, 
and he talked about just the the value of time and character and your character over time will ultimately prove true to who you were if you're consistent with the way you live and um i mean i can tell you in um 2006 i had built the largest toy distribution company in canada and uh we had been on a tear uh, i mean we'd only seen a hockey stick up to the right and uh it had really been built on the sheer force of will of, of, of myself, my team at the time. But we also uh, found out the hard way that you can grow too fast. I didn't know that was a thing, but businesses, you can break them by growing too quickly. Uh, what happened is that we ended up having to declare bankruptcy. And the year before, we're celebrated as one of the top companies in Canada. Um, <laughs> and, and in that whole process, um, I had over a million dollars of friends and family money um, that was in the business and all that was lost. Um, and you know, I came from a small town in central Alberta and you can imagine me going back for holidays. I was suddenly the, the town pariah. Um, and it was, um, even in the industry, I mean, it was, it was, I was scorned for having built a business that had failed and there was almost, you know, bad juju <laughs> with, <laughs> with me. So, um, all I can say is that tough times don't last, but tough people do. It's it's really crappy advice, but if you're consistent and you are over time willing to just pay the price of discipline, the compound effect on the other side, the term that you from a dear friend of ours that we both share, is that your character will th show through in your actions. And I can now tell you that I can go back to that town and, I mean, I had an opportunity through my exit to settle some things with some people and, and I guess clean up some relationships. But overall, um, I've been vindicated just by being consistent. And I really believe that you just have to live your authentic self, be true to who you are, do the right thing. You know, my father used to always say, you can't do the wrong thing, right? Just do the right thing. And if you're consistent, ultimately this is what's going to uh, show through with those around you. Yeah. And it's interesting because we talk about these challenges and adversities and failures and it, it comes in, uh, it comes in, you know, so many different uh, ways, right? Like there's so there's, I always say, I've been saying for years, there's always another, uh, you know, bus trying to run you over and it can be a, a successful mortgage broker in a small community where his competitors are saying, Oh, don't go to him. We must be doing something, you know, inappropriate or wrong. You know, when you, when you exceed at a very high level, you know, there's always going to be misery loves company and, and people. So, you know, it's interesting because it's never about being, being kicked in the teeth. I mean, us as entrepreneurs and business builders and building our mortgage companies and whatever business you're in that happens be watching on one of the channels on Facebook right now. It's not about, you know, being knocked down. God, you're going to be knocked down over and over and over and over. It's the old saying that we've all heard. It's about getting back up. So agreed. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, you know, I just add on to that, that, you know, it's a part of what we need as human beings. I mean, it's, here, here's the irony. Um, we really go out of our way to avoid um, any kind of discomfort. I've come to learn, because I've been through a number of discomfort sort of situations, I've come to learn that as a human being, there's a few things we absolutely need. We need food, we need water, we need ox oxygen, we need companionship, um, you know, we need the ability to, to be free and express yourself. And I would add to that, that we also need struggles. Um, Ernest Hemingway used to say, uh, he was quoted as saying, the world will break all of us. And some of us are stronger in the broken places. And what that means is that when you break a bone, if it heals, let it heal properly, it actually will be stronger than it was before. 
it's not just resilient, it's actually anti-fragile, it gets stronger. But it also could go gangrene if we don't actually heal, let it mend properly. And so I think a part of our human experience and how we are turned into who we are today is going through challenges, going through crisis and learning to um, have a certain stress level that refines us. You know, uh, a diamond is a lump of coal under a lot of heat and pressure. You know, gold is refined in fire. So those are great metaphors for why would our human condition be different? And we as parents tend to try and then keep our, our kids away from any kind of adversity. <laughs> that's the thing that's going to make them great. So yeah. uh, rejoice in your suffering. It's actually a part of what's making you who you are. Yeah, your pain is actually your power, right? And it's hard to recognize as that when you go through it. But once you go through it, you just go, wow, okay, I didn't. You know, we had Lewis Howes on uh, last year. And, you know, Lewis Cowes now, I don't know what he has, three, four, 500 million uh, uh, downloads on his podcast, The School of Greatness. And he just said, I, I, want, I want to stand in a room and I want to have everyone just throw darts at me. You tell me I'm old and fat, I'm gray, I'm ugly, I'm a liar, I'm a cheat, and I'm just bring it all to me. Let me get it all, take it all head on. I'll come out the other end stronger because I realize that that doesn't hurt me. So, and it's incredible because as I said, we all go through different situations. So let's take that to the other extreme now. So let's talk about scaling a business. Let's go back to pissing off our competitors and absolutely whacking them and taking more market share and growing like crazy. The challenge for most people who have a business or who run a mortgage company or who want to be entrepreneurs is they get caught up sort of in the micro. They don't think of the macro and, you know, they get sort of uh, paralyzed by, by, by analysis. Um, you have been particularly good at scaling and growing businesses. Um, so what do you maybe just share with us sort of the skill set that you think is required to effectively grow your business? And I don't care if you're an independent realtor, a mortgage broker, or you want to start a business or you have a huge team. Some tips on that, Brad. Look, I think um, everyone aspires to uh, to scale and build companies quickly. So this is my seventh adventure in business. And the one thing that's been common with all of them is, is been fast growth. Um, and in fact, I, we were just announced in the Deloitte uh, Hot 50, the number one clean tech company in Canada. So there's, uh, I guess, proof in point of that. Um, look, I think there's three things you need to be aware of when you're scaling a company. First of all, you need to be aware that you're breaking your business. If you are growing quickly, you're breaking it. So what do you need to be constantly thinking about? I mean, three things you got to be thinking about. You got to be thinking about the people, the systems, and the cash. Because those are the three things that are constantly going to be breaking. And so I think every great leader has to, if you're the CEO of the company, your, your job is to set the vision, find and empower the team, and ensure the resources are in place for us to be able to, to keep those three things constantly being reinvented. And if you're growing a business quickly, it's something you're going to be doing on a quarterly basis, maybe even a monthly basis. It's not something you just kind of want and done. You've got to continue to do it. And I'd also say that a business will never grow bigger than you. You have to invest in you first, and you have to be willing to lean into it. So one of the things that um, Dan Sullivan, he's the uh, creator of uh, the, um, um, ah, John a blank, Dan Sullivan's company. Anyways, it's a coaching company, very successful one. Um, he said, you know, most entrepreneurs, they think about doubling their business. Um, and with doubling, they know that they could do twice as much and they would actually be able to do it. You should be thinking about 10 times your business because 10 times should hurt your brain. And make you think, okay, what do I have to do to go 10x? And you'll know there's no way you can work twice as hard uh, or 10 times as hard to actually achieve the results. And it really will force you to sit back and sort of consider who are the people I need to have in place. Because that is the most important thing. If you don't have the right people, you're not going anywhere. 
And then do my systems, will they last and for how long? And of course, scaling business, it just drains cash. You know, top line is vanity, bottom line is sanity, cash flows reality. So where is my cash flow at? How do I continue to ensure that I have my cash in place so I don't get myself into a, into any kind of uh, near-term uh, issue? And, you know, I would say just any great enterprise needs kind of four things. And that is a great founder with an idea, a different strategy, not better. So when you're considering, if you're saying we're just like, but better, no, you want to be different. You want to stand out. And I think Dominion does a really great job of that, right? You've got to point a difference in the marketplace. Third is you need a high performance team. These are rock star superstars that will help you accelerate uh, and build and who you can delegate through. And then finally, the final piece, which is super critical, is discipline execution. Um, we could talk about the 98 uh, um, hockey team that went to Nagano of the Olympics. Mm. We had Gretzky. We had like the best of the best, and yet they lost. So they had a team, but why did they lose? Because they couldn't execute. So around those four things, and by the way, I would say each one has different impact. Like a, a founder, great founder ideas one times. Uh, different strategy would be 10 times. High-performing team would be worth 100 times. Executions 1,000 times. And around all of that... You need luck. Mm -hmm. And when I say the word luck, people go, ooh, okay, you know, do I got my uh, rabbit's foot or my uh, lucky clover leaf? And the answer is no. Luck is simply timing. The right idea at the right time. You know what? The right idea at the wrong time is still the wrong idea. So it's really about where is the marketplace seeing the, the, the shifts in the in way things are moving. And while you can't change the wind, you can adjust the set of your sail and finding what should I execute uh, at that particular time. That's really what the leader should be thinking about all the time, looking to the future and navel-gazing. Yeah, that's that's just incredible advice, Brett. Thanks for sharing. Brett, I'm going to share, I'm going to share our most recent trip to uh, Fort Lauderdale with the viewers because I think there are some things there that we all took away uh, that was absolutely incredible. Uh, for those listeners, one of the one of the persons in our CEO group uh, is the founder of Remax Worldwide, uh, founded in 1973. And he's kind of like the godfather in our group. He's what is uh, Dave now, Brad? 75, 76? I think he's 74. 74. Okay, 74, yeah. 75. Um, and, and, and we just talked about, we talk about often journey and, and, and getting there and we look back and, you know, last time, and I'd like you to make a comment on this, Brad, if you have anything to add, but he said, you know, I look at my life now and he said, I'm 74, 75 years old. And I, I had three distinct sort of periods. He goes in my early years, he goes, it was my, it was my earning years, right? So my twenties and my thirties, it was head down. I was the hardest working guy. I was the first guy there. I was the last guy to leave. And it was just, I wanted to just outwork everyone. And he goes, and I, and, and, and I did, right? And, you know, here's a guy who crashed, you know, 70 NASCARs, you know, raced the NASCAR team for 10 years, sailed this balloon around the world. And he goes, and then I got into sort of my learning years, right? So I had my earning years first. And then my learning years were sort of when I was in my, you know, late 30s, early 40s, right through to my 50s, my end of my 50s. And he goes, those were my best years. Those are the years that I learned from all my mistakes. I became more efficient. I learned to listen more. You know, I really see an extraordinary growth in, in, in me personally and in our business. And he goes, and then I look back now when I got into my 60s and into my 70s, those are my yearning years, right? He said, I yearn to be back in my learning years, right? Where everything that I had learned along the way. And he said some extraordinary things. One of the other things that he shared with us is he said, you know, he said, um, it, you know, I realize that, um, 
you know, taking uh, incredibly care of our people and having good people is, is, is unbelievably, you know, vital to my business. Um, and he said, you know, I probably could have done, you know, the same or more, even with less, with not working quite so hard, you know, um, and that was an extraordinary piece of advice to us, Brad. Anything you want to add on that? Cause I think we all looked at that and just said, wow. I mean, I, I want, I've told that story so many times since. Yeah, no, Dave is, is absolutely just legendary. I mean, guy, you, you already explained some of his exploits. He was also shot down in Vietnam. Uh, <laughs> I think he did three tours of duty there. And that story is crazy on its own too. You know, I, I, um, what I really got from Dave is don't miss it. <clears throat> and I, I spent some time after uh, our session. Um, and as I've been going through my book, as I know you're going into your book as well, Gary, I was reflecting on his words. Uh, and again, there's, there's a book I read recently uh, called Fathered by God. And it talks about the stages of, of uh, a man going from a boy. And, and by the way, he uses his metaphor. So let's go from a boy to a cowboy, to a warrior, to a king, and to a sage. There's a sort of arc of your life. And Dave is a sage. It's incredible the stuff that comes out of his, his mouth. He really has lived through all of those phases. And um, I would also just add to it that as I was reflecting on it, um, I don't know if you've read the book, The Five Regrets of the Dying. It's written by a nurse from Australia who spent time with um, people in palliative care and just, you know, came up with asking, she got the courage to ask them questions about what they would change and what they do differently in their life. And they came up with five common themes. The very interest, most interesting thing to me is that the five, only one was, only one was, I wish I wouldn't have. Everything else was, I wish I would have. Right. Regrets of not doing things. And by the way, the thing that they wish they'd not done is actually work. <laughs> they worked mm. too much. So I think it's it's very apropos that you know we all go through the same human condition. We're born to die. We are all dying. Um, and when we get to the end of life, will you say, I'm glad I did, or I wish I had? And according to her book, most people say, I wish I had. And that's that's sad. I think it's it's great yeah. for us to reflect on that. Yeah, and you actually just triggered something else that David said in there, and that was exactly it. He goes, you know, so many of us are waiting to get there. You know, we're waiting until the kids are a certain age to do certain things. We're waiting until we have a little bit more money. He just said, my God, if there's one lesson I've learned, if there's something you want to do, somewhere you want to go, you know, if there's, if there's you know, something that, that, that is really important to you, try to do it when you're young. Make time. Your business will take care of itself. It will still be there if you've really worked on running a good business. He just said, because, you know, you don't know when you get into your 60s and you retire, you think it's going to be the golden years but in many cases it's not golden you know and he says so you know the one thing that i would tell all of you and we're much younger most of us in the group is do all this stuff now don't wait for it till you retire because you don't know if you'll have your health or you'll be around or those who you want to do it with or you know are still there and healthy so i thought it was you know incredibly sage advice yeah thank you you know it, i heard this said that you know most people give up their health to pursue wealth and then a lot of part of their life they use their wealth to try and reclaim their health that's sad. You should have that all the way through your life, you know, focus on yeah. the most important things. So let's jump into that then for a minute. Let's jump into habits. And I mean, you know, it's interesting, Brad, because, you know, you're, you're incredible in so many ways. Um, not only are you ragingly successful in business, uh, you married your high school sweetheart, you got two wonderful kids, uh, you have tremendous, uh, tremendous uh, faith. 
but you're also an absolute specimen. And it's funny because I've often said to people, it's really hard to get a trifecta to nail everything. I mean, you know, even myself, I go through periods, I've been struggling with weight almost my whole life, you know, and there's so many areas that I can do, you know, so well in that I think I'm, you know, I'm holding my own or I'm proud of. And there's other areas that, you know, that I still consistently struggle over and over. And one of them, you know, is, is, is health really. Um, and, and you have been scientific when it comes to habit. Talk us yeah. through your process for that. Like, what is your mindset? Like, how do you not slip off? And I slipped off last night and ate like 12 gingerbread cookies at like 10 at night. <laughs> <laughs> really? uh, yeah, you know what, by the way, I, I, he may, you're, you're, you're too kind. I'm definitely, uh, I've got lots of shortcomings. Um, I, I am definitely um, disciplined. Um, for sure, and and I guess here's how I would describe it. Um, I call them my eight pillars. Okay, there's eight pillars in my life, and they're all with F's. So there's my faith, my family, my fitness, my finances, and then there's fun, friends, freedom, and finishing. And I'll explain what those are. So obviously, I think the first four: faith is your spiritual connection with your Creator, your family, self-explaining, your fitness, your vitality, your ability to live to human. You can't give what you don't have. If you don't have vitality in your body, it's hard to give it to the people around you. So I'm a big believer that you have to have it. And then the finances is just simply, what do you do to drive the economic engine? Like, what are you doing to create value in the economy? And I'm a big believer, those four you have to touch daily. You have to every day set up the discipline to touch those four. It's not, a, I mean, this is a part of just the discipline and rigor and how you do it is up to you. I'm not being prescriptive, just as long as you're doing some of those. The other four, you have to do weekly, fun. I, I like the mountain bike, I like to ski, I like to wake surf. Um, those are things that are fun. Uh, and I like to do it with friends, um, connections. We were born for relationships. We were designed to have human connections and we create value in our lives by creating value in other people's lives. Freedom is really what I describe as entrepreneurialism. That's the idea of the freedom to be able to design. Everything is created twice. First in your mind and reality. We're sitting in this room. This room digitally was somebody's imagination that was created that we now are working in. So the freedom to be able to express that creativity. And the finishing piece is what we talked about in terms of reading books, hanging out with smart people that are going to push you, listening to podcasts that inspire you, getting better. It's that uh, continual growth. So... I just I look at my 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 week and I audit it and I think that's the best thing tracking is just say today did I spend time with my creator have I invested time with my family did I do the physical work to help my body and have I advanced the economic engine yeah, those four things need to be done daily mm -hmm. and then the weekly on the other side too and in fact you can get all in every day you're great but for most of us that's hard to do and. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think that that's been helpful for me. I um, I also just I, I have a I think similar to you, Gary. I have a, a Sunday sort of planning session. I lay out my week Sundays. Um, I do a connection every morning with my wife first, and we do this review of our week, and we actually give each other kind of a feedback in terms of how we performed in our functions uh, as um, as partners in life. And then I sit down and I plan my week out, and um, I just I just prioritize those first four things to make sure that I built them into my week in advance. Because if you don't, life happens and there's creep that happens in your calendar. And um, I, I just try and mitigate that by planning up front. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. I absolutely love 
uh, the category of the Fs. I mean, that's something that I'm going to print off myself and, and continue to work on. You know, it's interesting because it's always a journey, right? You just, you know, as we've often talked about, you you never stop learning, right? Yeah, you, you know, you can go home tonight and you can sit on the couch and you can watch America's Got, America's Got Talent or something else, or you can, you know, spend some time investing in yourself. And, you know, I, I don't, there's nothing that I've ever done ever in my life that, you know, I appreciate uh, more of the time that I work on personal development and it's a work in progress. I, I, I'm still such, you know, I can change so quickly, right? I want to, I've shared in this story and this is a personal story a little bit, but I've shared, you know, a little bit through these level up podcasts because I want everyone to know that life is not easy. Life is not fair. Shit can happen. You suddenly lost your dad due to COVID obviously this year. Like it is very hard. There's a bus looking, you know, I have my brother who's bipolar schizoaffective. I've looked after him for 25 years. You know, he's been extraordinarily good for the last three years. We've had my brother back. It's just been an absolute pure joy. You know, uh, four or five days ago, we started looking, you know, we started just seeing the way he was showing up, talking to us, looking at us, his eyes dilated and, you know, he got sick again. And in, in the last 24 hours, he caught his uh, apartment on fire. He writ off his uh, car. He threatened to kill someone. Uh, and the people in his uh, in his apartment complex uh, have called us and they're going to, you know, use lawyers to, to kick him out of his home. You know, and now he's, you know, we, we had him picked up. And But I mean, I guess the point is, and I share that is, you know, I take a little bit of Lewis Howe's uh, feedback. And, um, you know, like vulnerability, we're all going through it. It's very, it's a very, very difficult life for, for everyone. There's, I always say to people, you show me somebody without a problem and I'll show you a liar. Right. right. And I know, you know, you and I have had conversations on this, right. And, you know, the thing that I want to, I want to continue to give people hope for is that even when you think it's a tough day, it's really tough. You it's been tragic, right. You will get through it. Right. Brighter days, you know, are ahead. Any comments you want to make around that, Brad? Because I know we talked about some of that in the past. Yeah, no, thank you. And I'm sorry to hear about the challenges. But as you said, we all have them. You know, the problem is, is that we're terrible at comparing. We compare uh, up instead of comparing down. That's just our human nature. So, you know, we go on Instagram, Facebook, and we see these people's incredible lives. And we think, oh, they got it all together. So we're comparing our back right. stage to someone else's front of stage. And it's it's just a lie. It's behind everybody's front of stage. It's a mess. There's messes going on everywhere. And uh, so, um, you know, I, I life is messy. There's just, you know, I lost my father unexpectedly uh, a month and a half ago. He was my hero. He was my mentor. Didn't expect it. Threw several curveballs uh, at me that I totally didn't uh, didn't see coming. And despite the incredible adversity. We've been able to turn that to an advantage and that it's actually created connections with people in my family who've had um, distance for a long time. It's brought us together. And I, I think that the point is, is that, you know, we always have something to be grateful for. You know, attitude of gratitude, and I know it sounds kind of cliche, but honestly, like if you start your day just giving thanks for, I live in this free country. By the way, if you live in Canada, you're in 0.5% of the world's population. You won the lottery just being here. Okay, um, you're in the top 5% income earners if you're in $35,000 a year in the world. It's incredible. You have your hands, you got your eyes, you got your, your family. There's so much to be grateful for, but we always are comparing what we don't have to other people's haves and it draws us down. I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. And a way to battle that is just to start off being grateful. I start off every morning through a gratitude session. I do a, a meditation and I just spend time thanking God for the many gifts and graces that he's given to me. And that doesn't mean I have a perfect life. I don't. I mean, I went through bankruptcy three times. Um, 
you've made me sound way better than I am. I've, I've got all kinds of battle scars from the, the bullshit that's happened in my life. And um, anyways, uh, but you can let your struggles become your strengths. And uh, it's, it's that sort of event plus response equals the outcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And uh, it's just that it's, it's an important subject today because you nailed it, right? People look on the outside in and they go, oh, well, you know, everything looks so perfect that we compare ourselves to the Joneses and, and we have to stop that, right? We, you know, there's strength in us learning together and, uh, you know, and sharing together, right? Just, you know, lifting one and up rather than, you know, trying to kick someone, um, you know, in the other direction. Anyway, uh, next thing. So, so Brad, um, you know, if you look at, uh, we have a lot of business owners on here, you know, as I said, um, you know, what are sort of a few entrepreneur, sort of a few attributes, um, you know, character attributes um, that you see are most most uh, vital or important for someone who is a leader or wa wanting to grow a company. You know, it's yeah, funny, yeah. and and I'll, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll make one comment on it before I let you let you go. Yeah. I've said this I said this many times, and I think I originally got it from Darren Hardy, right? You know, um, it's funny. A, a manager walks around finding people doing something, you know, wrong. A leader walks around finding something finding people doing something right. It's complete different mindset. So maybe talk to us. I mean, you're running a big company, you have a lot of employees. I'd like a lot of people who have staff underwriters, you know, they all think they, they're, they're great, you know, business leaders. They think they're incredibly good, um, you know, leaders in the business. And, and, you know, there's a lot of room for growth there. I'd like your perspective on that. Yeah. Um, characteristics, attributes to me, they're kind of um, one in the same, um, you know, uh, Patrick Lencioni wrote a book called The Ideal Team Player, and I think it's an excellent read because it really talks about the the attributes you're looking for um, for hiring, but also I think it's a good reflection on who do you need to be, like who do you need to become to actually be the leader that you want in your life. Um, and so he has it summarized as hungry, humble, and smart. Um, I think uh, Warren Buffett has a similar, uh, the, the three I's, I think it's intelligence, integrity, and initiative. Um, and I would say they're all very uh, critical. Uh, he talks about like, if you have somebody with initiative and intelligence, but no integrity, they are a talented terror, right? If you have somebody with, um, like if you have only two of the three, it's a problem. And um, so I think that's one of the things that I would say from an attribute characteristics that we're looking for, but as leaders, just first and foremost, you gotta learn to flick your own bick. You gotta get up in the morning and decide <laughs> to great. Um, yeah. And I think confidence, uh, Darren talks about this, the most important attribute of a leader is to be confident. You know, um, my, my, one of my former mentors used to say, uh, often wrong, seldom in doubt. Uh, meaning that he was confident, even confidently wrong, but you know, he showed up and was able to move things because of that. Um, he's curious. You know, you're continually asked questions about the way things are in the outside world, zooming out as well as zooming in the inside. Are these processes still making sense? Are the things that we're doing still working to help build value? Because at the end of the day, we all get compensated for the value we create in the marketplace. That's that's how it works. And then courage. You know, the original virtues that were um, exposed by Aristotle were justice, courage, wisdom, and temperance. And to me, courage is the most important because it's taking that first step. It's, it's, it's starting without knowing how it's going to work. And it's that bliss point between recklessness and cowardice. So it's not crazy courage and it's not cowardice. It's just enough to actually make progress. Um, 
So I think from my standpoint, those are the things that I encourage your listeners to be thinking about as they assess themselves as a leader. Am I confident? Am I curious? And am I living a life of courage? Am I going first? And within that context, these attributes of hungry, humble, smart, do I actually have those? Am I edifying and, and showing, leading by example that this is how we uh, behave as an organization? I think it's important. Well, you know what? It's interesting too. Well, I'll just to dovetail on that, you know, um, the most important job, number one job of the leader is to lead by example, right? You know, because whether you think you're leading or not, people are looking at you every single day, right? And it's on the weekends and evenings and at church on the Sunday or whatever you're doing, right? It's incredible. Here's what I want to know, most importantly, maybe the question of the day, what the heck are you using for brain food? Because your ability to, you know, your retentive nature of your brain to repeat all these parables and books. And I mean, I read a lot and I have for years, but I mean, I, I, you know, I have a long book of things that I look back on. I mean, you are just remarkable on how you communicate, Brad. Uh, thank you, Gary. <laughs> um, <laughs> Is there fish oil or what are you using? Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, look, I, um, first of all, anything I have is only a gift from my creator. So I'm using it to the best of my ability. Um, there's this, this, this Greek term. Have you ever heard the word the term arite? No. Yeah. Basically, it's how Greeks would describe uh, their fellow men and or women when they had basically achieved excellence in all their faculties, the things that they were gifted with. And they're all different, but they have achieved excellence. So I take your word as a compliment towards Arite, you know, uh, my life was God's gift to me. What I do with it is my, my gift back to God. And so I have tried to live a life where I'm using my full faculty as best as I can. And it does have its limitations. Trust me. Yeah. Excellent. Good job, Dave, on the, uh, on bringing up all the information and screenshots uh, along the way. Uh, just, we're just going to wind down here, Brad, we've got a few minutes left. Um, you know, is there anything that uh, I got a, a couple more things we can go to, but is there anything you'd like to share? Anything that you think that that we've missed today that, you know, is advice that you, you know, constantly find yourself sharing that's helpful? Look, I, I think you're the average of the five people you spend your time with. And um, that doesn't have to be just uh, in person. That can be a lot of my best mentorship came from books and audio programs. You do. And um Gary is an incredible human. I mean, I have not met too many people with such incredible drive and tenacity and just desire to be excellent and to be the best. And so find people like him and plug into him. And it doesn't mean you necessarily have to hang with him, but you can hang with him on things like this. But, you know, you will, you know, G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. Also, good stuff in, good stuff out. So just start flushing your mind with good things mm. that inspire you to live a life that ultimately is is one that's thriving at every level again using all your faculty to the best that you can so listen if somebody's on here today and they go wow that was really great and 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 super inspiring and it made me think maybe a little bit different or maybe i want to you know sort of get back on track i've drifted um you know and and they want to just you know like go somewhere now that can sort of help them take that next step you and I always talk about the Darren Daly, of course, that uh, Darren Hardy sends out. Um, but if someone is starting their journey on personal development, because it is never too late, any comments on where you think they should start or the best way? I mean, certainly everything in the world is curated and on Google. But, you know, for someone who just says, I'm hungry for some of that, where do they start? Yeah, honestly, I think Darren's stuff is the best. I mean, that's why, that's how you and I met. And that's right. that's why I continue to rinse and repeat it personally. And I send my team to his programs. I. You know, uh, if you wanted to sort of have a snack size, yeah, exactly. The compound effect, 
That book, in my opinion, is the best book ever written on personal development. I don't know a better, you could not, if anyone said to me, oh, is there a newer, better? There's no newer, better, actually. He just explains principles that are timeless in a way that is super approachable and understandable. So that book's amazing. And then if you wanted to have like a snack size of Darren, I would say his Jumpstart program is pretty incredible. And that's an online program you can take. And it just, it unpacks the compound effect and personal yeah. I think is very helpful. Yeah. And the other thing is the other one thing that he does that's really good is the entrepreneur roller coaster, of course, uh, you know, for someone who, who is looking to improve their business. And, you know, it's interesting because people, you know, are looking for advice where to start because there's so much stuff out there and, you know, uh, and, and we've looked in, you know, at a lot of stuff and I, I'm with you. I, I think his stuff is, is the best in the world. I think he is the, you know, probably the best leadership coach that I've ever come across. So, uh, yeah, listen, Brad, we're going to, uh, I think wrap there. I, I just, I want to thank you. Uh, thank you for being my friend. Thanks for being my pal. Mm. I, you know, uh, Brad uh, now lives up in the Okanagan where I spend, you know, most of my summer and we spend a lot of time together and our wives are friends and, you know, I'm always inspired by you. I felt like we just sort of scratched the surface today. I mean, I think I could have you back and we could have a whole bunch of, of other, you know, uh, topics and, and dialogue. It's extraordinary. And you're just such a wonderful uh, curator and such a wonderful person. So thank you uh, very much. Um, to all of you who have been on the call, we, we really appreciate all of you tuning in to the Level Up series. Uh, we'll be sending out a whole bunch of Brad's books, uh, you know, once they uh, come out. I think you're sort of thinking mid-year next year. Is that what no one is going to, by the time it goes to print? And Yeah, yeah, I think that we would expect that there should be about the middle of 2022. Okay. Awesome. Can't wait. Uh, and just uh, really quickly, I want to uh, make sure that uh, everyone knows our next Level Up series is with Lisa Lisson. Uh, Lisa is the um, the uh, president of FedEx Canada. Uh, super excited about having her. We tried having her on a couple of weeks ago and we had uh, a conflict. So she is coming back. Uh, look forward to having Lisa on soon. Uh, and then lastly to uh, our um, all of our viewers, uh, our guests, our mortgage professionals, our friends, our referrals, thank you very much for tuning in and spending an hour with us. We understand how busy and valuable your time is, and we are sincerely grateful for, uh, you know, just your attention for a short period of time. And then lastly, uh, First National, our sponsor, uh, an amazing lender, someone we've had a brilliant relationship with for, for many, many years, uh, just an extraordinary company ran by extraordinary leadership. So thank you guys for helping us with this program and, and always being there for us and always being there for um, the Canadian finance uh, industry. Mr. Uh, Pedersen, I will uh, keep you in the green room. We'll chat for a minute offline. Uh, thank you again for being here and to everyone else. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, we'll talk soon. Have a great day. Thank you.